2: Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live outrage.
0: from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What
2: economy
3: are you talking about? Talking it's about. time
0: about. for Mortgage Matters.
3: Mortgage, Matters. Mortgage, Matters. Mortgage Matters. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Thanks much for being with us. ah oh, boy. Um, we're missing the Dan Podesto. We're one Dan Podesto light this morning. Um, to make up for it, it always takes two men. So we brought Wes Burke and Mike Points. Wes, good morning. Welcome.
4: Good morning. Thanks for having me today, Jason. How are you?
3: Fantastic, Mike. Your first words on the radio ever. Top of the morning to you. All right. So, um, oh yeah, and the rest of the day to you, sir. That's what the that's Thank what you're supposed to do, right? I was do, waiting right? for that. I was Isn't wondering, it? is he gonna
5: do it? I
3: don't know. I never knew that until I watched that Buffini thing. Is that where you got that? I did get that from him. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah. So. We got a couple hours again here with you guys this morning and wanted to uh, take this opportunity to introduce you to Mike Points, the newest member of the Central Coast Lending Team. And uh, while new to the industry, not new to providing service and value to folks here on the Central Coast, eh, Mike? That's right. That's right. Yeah, I've been here since
5: 2009. And... uh, Quite frankly, I just I can't imagine myself living in another place, working with people here in the community. I really do enjoy it, and being a part of the Central Coast lending team is uh, just by far the most exciting thing I got going right now.
4: I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) I
3: think think that's a compliment. (laughs) Either that or your life is mundane. Right. Well,
4: Mike, you actually told me recently that you're really enjoying the mortgage business. That's right. Why?
3: Well, you
5: know the thing about the mortgage business is that. Well, first off, it's by far the biggest thing on these people's budgets at home. You know, I mean, it, it matters a lot to them. So making a small change can make a huge impact in their financial budgets at home. So is that important? Absolutely, it's important. And I feel that when I have conversations with people, the level of, uh, of gosh, for lack of a better word, respect and just um, engagement I have with them is phenomenal. Also, at the end of the day, what I like best about it is that, you know, you're giving them something, you're giving, you're either putting them in a home that they didn't think they could afford, or you're giving them back four or five, $600 a month that changes their life that they can put on their kids, put into that new fancy boat they want to get, or maybe just, gosh, for <laughs> would they save it? Maybe they would.
3: I've, I've had some experiences, though, where that money goes towards um, retiring early. Yeah. Or, you know, at times even doing loans like you haven't had the opportunity yet, but doing a reverse mortgage where you can, you know, somebody that's really struggling just to pay the bills and can't even have their most basic needs met and to be able to stop their mortgage payment and allow them to kind of loosen the noose around their neck is a pretty powerful thing. When you were saying that, Mike, reminded me. um, One of the reasons I was willing to get into the mortgage business is because it, it's one of these things where I always feel like serving somebody's one of their most basic needs. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody has the need for oh, yeah, that's right. food and shelter, water, right? So being involved in the the shelter component of that I really I really do enjoy.
5: Absolutely. Let me just quickly amend too, and, and this is kind of going back to Wes. And, I came out of the risk management field, so to be able to now talk about, you know, marry the two, give them mortgage advice, give them some risk management advice, it really does um, give my clients a a well-rounded look at their perspective. Sitting back, instead of saying, hey, I think you can afford this, and, and saying, okay, if you were to live in this house for seven years, you know, what would it mean? Would it mean it makes more sense to you know get a lower rate or does it make more sense to keep some cash on hand i mean you guys are 55 years old etc 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 sure and i really enjoy that because i don't think i don't think that that conversation is happening as much as it should because this is a big piece
3: of the total package plan right. interestingly enough i uh i opened up my email this morning and, and one of the notes that i have is um so let me preface this by saying it's crazy busy. Uh, Mike can attest to this. I was sharing with you yesterday, Wes. We're, we're wildly busy with new business and, again, refinancing people. Anybody that that got a loan more than 18 months ago or, you know, any time in this last 18 months can benefit from a refinance right now because the market's picked up lots of property value increases Um, You wouldn't believe some of the transactions. Wes, we had a mutual client for his sake. I won't drop his name on the radio. We helped a guy buy a house down in Arroyo Grande. Um, He closed this place about three years ago for $269,000. You ended up helping him move. (laughs) There was a problem with the, the tenants that occupied the house not moving out on time, and then his wife had a baby, and they were literally coming home from the hospital to their new house, and you went over and helped them move. We're doing a refinance for those guys now, um, and that house they bought for two sixty nine appraised for $440,000.
6: Oh, that's awesome. I love to hear that.
3: Pretty epic, and um, you know, so in in that loan, you know, able to do a refinance and get rid of the mortgage insurance, but also lower the interest rate and drop the the overall payment. When I'm talking, you know, we're we're talking like four hundred plus dollars a month savings in some of these cases, and that's that's pretty exciting to be able to see that. Like I I always joke with people when I I hear them, they say, oh, you know, you can refinance and save four hundred bucks a month. Now you can go get a BMW. i would rather you didn't but that's a lot of money to come off the top of that thing and when you start running that out by you know 15 to 30 years depending on the loan term people are choosing that's a that's a long time worth of saving a lot of money um to me that's game changer stuff um but Yeah, anyways, it's been super busy, and this week I keep running into um, people that are being referred to me, so they're not my usual flock of clientele, but calling up and just driving the conversation about, you know, I want this, and more or less being steamrollers and and not giving me the opportunity to go through that normal process of understanding. Um, Usually when I meet with a client, I like to know what their objectives are, what they're doing. What they're, how long they're going to be in the house, is it their forever house, if they do decide to leave it, are they going to rent it out, get a really good understanding for what it is their their long-term plan is so I can figure out how best to, to help them. And um, I've just kind of been surprised I'm running into these people that aren't interested in that. They just call me up and tell me, Chase tells me they can do this deal, and if you can beat it, I'll work with you. And I'm like... That's just not generally been the way that I work. Um, It's just kind of interesting. I like to go through the normal process of understanding and making a, a good fit. And it's funny, too, when you finally can slow that person down and help them understand. It's not always about getting just the lowest interest rate. Sometimes taking a higher interest rate and lower closing costs is a better idea. Sometimes it is best to just go for the total lowest interest rate and 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 not be so concerned with the fees if you have a really long term plan. But
4: well, I'm glad for you guys that interest rates have created the opportunity to you know reinvigorate um, refinances for you guys from a business perspective. But it's just unbelievable to me. I cannot believe we're still having conversations about interest rates going down
3: i don't think it's going to be over anytime soon either i mean you got to recognize and we've seen a couple little dips in the last you know 18 months where where there's reason to be optimistic and then find that it's short-lived but uh you know that i'm trying to to talk and open up my um my bond yield here it's probably not a waste on either one of you guys because you've been around long enough to hear me keep talking about what's been going on with the the bond and how there's a relationship between interest rates and the bond but we have a 10-year bond yield touching down into the 17 X range this yep. week yep. and that's correct it's, inc- it's just incredible to see how low that is and, and one of the major um, reasons for this too I think is just the value of a, a barrel of oil going through the floor. Uh, it, it sort of undermines everything. And then additionally, this week we learn about um, some bizarre uh, monetary policies where they're cutting their their overnight rates to 0% in an effort um, to try to spur economies on around the world where the, these are things that the U.S. was employing um, five, six years ago. So it's, it's kind of interesting now to see that um, – the rest of the world, those other economies that are still lagging behind are going to go play those cards now that we played, and they're just late to the show. And that does have a, a lag on our economy, too. Yeah,
5: needless to say, I mean, look at the Swiss. Overnight, they wake up and, you know, their dollar now is 70 cents or 80 cents. I mean, that's that's got a, not only is it a financial impact to the global system, it's a. it worries the consumer, you know? Gosh, could that happen to us? And and I don't know, I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen to America,
3: but it, it sure makes you
5: think that would be
3: horrible. Indeed. I uh, I know we got a couple of other guests joining us for the middle hour. There's a handful of things that I was interested in talking with you about, Wes. Um, first of all, I... Uh, yeah, let's just dive on into it. I want to talk to you a little bit about the new contract. Now, you guys have been working with it for a month now, and I you know the the standard real estate contract that you all use is constantly having revisions and you know things clarified or whatever. This this new contract was a bit of an overhaul and has some material changes. Has it had any impact yet?
4: Yeah, we've seen we've seen a little bit of um, heartburn. A, agents and and clients trying to kind of get get used to some of the new um, terms and conditions of the contract. But um, I, you know, I think it's if we're going to talk about the contract, let's let's back up just a little bit and frame it for the listeners the um, purchase agreement that is most commonly used for real estate in the state of california is created by the california association of realtors and their team of attorneys and it's it's gotten to be a fairly long contract that tries to contemplate lots of different possibilities in, in, in transactions and it's a pretty good contract. It's pretty solid. You know, it's it's created to really level the playing field between a buyer and a seller. It gives the buyer lots of opportunity for discovery so that uh, we can close transactions with eyes wide open. And, and I think it does a good job really protecting both both parties and, and giving the buyer a fair shake at, at due diligence and, and discovery. One of the things that um, is a material change is that, they have taken out um, a lot of the language and reference to the termite inspection. Historically, in in our area, it's it's been kind of customary for a seller to pay for a termite inspection and then even what uh, Section 1 work, and when you get a termite inspection, there, the um, findings are really divided into two categories, Section 1 and Section 2. Section 1 is existing infestation or existing damage, and Section 2 is conducive conditions. So that's things like earth-to-wood contact uh, that would um, accommodate infestation in the future or, or dry rot. Um, and so the custom has been that um, buyers and sellers will pre-negotiate the termite work um in the contract um while the contract's being negotiated and the change largely driven by the fine folks in your industry lenders they um um they've removed really the the opportunity for buyers to negotiate the termite work up front and there's an attempt to to have it uh, be dealt with like all of the other inspections that a buyer does a general home inspection a roof inspection whatever the, the case may be so contractually what happens with all the other inspections is the the buyer has a window in which they can perform their due diligence and then if if there are findings that are unsatisfactory they can go back to the seller and and negotiate a A correction or a credit for those things and so now we're trying to get out of the habit of pre-negotiating with the seller who's gonna pay for section one and section two work and now we're bundling it now with all of the due diligence that a buyer does and I I think it makes a lot of sense I've advocated for this approach for a long time but the truth is there's a lot of practitioners that have been doing it the other way for a very long time and so I think um, there's the, it's going to take some time for everyone to, to get used to this, and we've already seen a couple instances where it's, uh, it's created a problem not, not having it um, spelled out up front.
5: Oh, that's interesting. How so?
4: Well, um, a, an example is we had a, um, a buyer that, uh, that was um, purchasing with a VA loan so you know that on a va loan there are requirements that the certain things have to be done and the buyer can't pay for them and termite falls into that category so it's simply the lender won't allow a buyer to pay for term for termite repair but yet they demand that the termite repair is conducted prior to the close of escrow so we had we we had some some verbal discussion with the other agent and the, and the seller on, on the issue and it wasn't pre-negotiated in the contract um as is the model now uh request for the work was done within the period of due diligence seller dug in their heels um and and we had a problem on our hands because right. the the buyer couldn't pay for it it wasn't a matter of the buyer not wanting to pay for it so you know i think to, to me that's a situation where you've you've got um Uh, Agents that have to do a better job um, educating their clients and helping them understand up front, if you're going to negotiate an offer that's a VA loan, the uh, odds are you're going to write a check for the term might work somewhere um, in the mix. And and it's an agent's responsibility to make sure a buyer understands that, even though it's not any longer pre-negotiated in the original purchase agreement.
3: I got to wonder if people at home are listening to this saying, I never knew termite report was such a big deal. And I I really feel that uh, it depends what part of the transaction you're on. Um, I'm helping my parents right now sort of in an advisory capacity as they're selling a home and buying another one. And the termite report stuff came up. In fact, the person they're selling their home to is using a VA loan. And so... Clearly, they're going to have to provide the section, you know, the termite report with a section one and two clearance. And uh, in their case, it proves it to be a big deal. But as it, it was requested, I, I found myself wanting to have that um, some sort of protection there is to say, well, let's let's limit the exposure, though, is you could just agree to do the termite report and then get a clear section one. But what if that comes back to be tens of thousands of dollars, you know somehow uh, y- and you've just said yes, I'll, no matter what it takes, I'll do that. So I was like, well, let's let's write in there just to be reasonable that I mean, we're not expecting anything, but should it exceed five thousand bucks, you might wish to stop and figure out what the right plan of attack is before just contractually being forced to move forward um in, in this the way that it's in the contract now is there a is there a spot for that or is it just simply that when somebody uh learns of the termite findings they're just basically gonna allow be allowed to ask for a request for repairs as any other repairs might be requested yeah
4: that's accurate they, they've really taken all reference to the the um the w- wpa is the acronym for the form that we used to to use um to kind of pre-negotiate the um the termite inspection and and work and really that that form is just gone reference to that is is no longer in the purchase agreement now if one really had struggles uh, adapting to change and they insisted on doing it the old way they could theoretically go create an addendum and and even use the the old language from from that document but um i, I don't think it's a great idea. I think arguably when, it, when there's a VA loan involved, it might make sense to, uh, to tackle that up front, especially after the experience that we had um, with the example that I, that I talked about. But, you know, other than that, it's just um, it makes a lot more sense to me to tackle all of the uh, investigations as at the same time. The negotiation over the investigations all at once and 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 all encompassing it just makes a lot of sense and you know you you should probably talk for the listeners about um what this means in terms of lending because that's really what spurred the change in this in this case
3: yeah you know and and honestly from a lending standpoint we're going to treat all of your inspections the same way and such that on a VA loan, I mean, you bring that up as example because it's sort of a, a sore thumb in the lending world here in terms of termite report and clearance. Uh, on a VA loan, whether it's a purchase or a refi, we require a termite report on 100% of the transaction. There's not an exception to be had there. So if you are doing one of those loans, you must provide uh, a termite report. As you can imagine, somebody that comes in for a refi, hey, I got my existing loan here. Everything is going well. I just want to get a lower interest rate. And suddenly you're telling them, hey, you got to get a termite report, make sure that your house is uh, clear of any sort of Section 1 or 2 items here. Um, They're not usually thrilled about that. They start looking at you sideways. Yeah. But that's that's the rules of engagement to do the loan. As far as the rest of it goes... um, we look at the contract and as a lender obviously i'm trying to mitigate my risk in the in the transaction in any way that i can uh, if you provide uh the contract that it shows me that you're getting a well report and a septic report and you're getting a, a engineer's report for the foundation and you're getting a a termite report and you're getting a roof cert i'm going to ask you for all of that uh it's reasonable to believe you went in a got it and the contract here literally is the contract between buyer and seller and as everybody signs it and progresses through the escrow process in order for this contract to be valid you have to meet the terms of the contract which is getting all of those reports and inspections so as long as they're available uh, in effort to minimize our own risk we'd like to review them too so uh, any anytime you include a reference a report your lender is generally going to ask for it if you don't ask for it on these, Forms that definitely draw it to our attention, then uh, not that big of a deal. I personally like it when the contract itself doesn't reference all these things. The buyer goes through their due diligence period, then finds that you guys do it on a request for repairs form. Uh, I say that lacking a little bit of confidence because uh, I don't see that form very often. That's not something that's on my radar. So as you guys negotiate, that you want to get this fixed or that fixed or whatever uh if we don't know about that then that's all the better and and you got to be wondering well is that kind of sticking your head in the sand as far as a lender's perspective it's not because our eyes and ears are the appraiser he goes out and has a he or she has a a visual inspection there personally in the property doing um A head and shoulders inspection of the attic, getting out and measuring things, checking public records, making sure that there isn't a hog farm next door that nobody's told us about yet or any of this weird stuff that might impact the marketability of the property. And then, so at the end of all of that, if the appraiser says, yeah, this place seems normal, uh, then we are none the wiser. When the appraiser comes back and says, there's some curling shingles and the fascia appears to have some dry rot, Uh, there's reason to believe you you should get a termite report. Then we'll take that appraiser's advice and require that of the transaction. But uh, otherwise, it's nice to just be uh, in the carpool lane around those issues, you know. Um, Hey, guys, it's uh, just about time to do the first commercial break here of the show. So I want to go ahead and do that. If you guys have questions or want to share a comment, you're welcome to call in 543-8830. We'll be back in another... uh, few minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go
0: anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832.
3: We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hi this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right now we can do your loan in-house but we still broker too We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet but you'll call it amazing mortgage on the Central
1: coast
7: Central Coast lending.
1: What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a
0: better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned into Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Citra Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
3: complete and total pandemonium in the studio but we nailed it right there yep uh we we got some bodies joining us in here we're jumping around chairs trying to get everybody headphones get the microphones in all the right places mike need you to talk for i don't know 15 20 minutes real quick while we settle in looks like there's a phone call too that's a lucky day outstanding that's outstanding (laughs) all right um gosh feels chaotic sorry guys we should have been a lot more prepared it's hard to come in during the short break uh but hey welcome Shay hutchinson wendy cheshera you guys are the newest members of patterson i guess right i shouldn't even assume that the way that you add realtors it could actually be untrue now
4: no i, I think that's accurate um and i couldn't be more excited you know but i'll give a little bit of an introduction here we've uh, patterson realty's been Kind of eyeballing the Santa Maria, Santa Maria market for a few years, and it's it's a very different market than than we're used to, and we didn't want to take our brand down there until and unless we could really find um, some top. Top-level professionals to uh, to work with us down there, and we found that in Shay and Wendy, they are um, just first-class agents all the way around. They they do more business than just about anybody down in Santa Maria. They know the area, and they're just uh, top-level professionals. I think they're we couldn't be more excited to be in business with them. And um,
3: gosh, guys, welcome.
8: Thank you. Yeah,
3: thanks a lot for being here today. I've uh, I've done transactions with both you guys. I wonder if you remember.
9: Not right offhand. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll drum
3: up the names and bring them to you as proof. But that's a good thing if you don't remember, because everybody remembers the loan officer that uh, made their life uh, miserable and potentially delayed or ruined their transaction. So obviously it wasn't me.
8: No, it wasn't you. <laughs>
3: So cool, well let's, um, I want to just kind of hear from each of you and find out where you're from, um, what what brings you into the the Central Coast, into real estate, and, and I guess into Patterson mostly.
9: Hi, this is Shay. Um, I've, uh, I've had my license for almost 20 years now. I worked for my grandfather uh, part-time for many years uh, while he was a broker uh, in Santa Maria and Orchid for 28 years. Uh, Learned a lot about the industry from him. I've uh, been in uh, real estate sales for now uh, 10 years full time. Uh, really enjoy living on the Central Coast and uh, you know, all it has to offer. Uh, have a little bit of lending experience as well. Um, and then uh, presented the opportunity to uh, you know join with Wes here on Patterson it was just uh, one of those uh, opportunities that you get from time to time in your career that you feel you need to take advantage of to get to the next level and i'm very excited uh for my future with here with patterson nice
3: wendy hi good
8: morning. good morning uh i met shay a few years ago when we were both directors to, state directors for the california association of realtors and um i think we clicked that was probably 10 years ago or so um we've talked off and on through a number of years to um to get a group together and uh it, the timing was perfect so I'm kind of like Goldilocks. I was at a little boutique office that didn't feel right. I went to a huge office. Wasn't the perfect place for me, and and Patterson's just right.
5: Perfect.
4: That doesn't make Shay the big bad wolf, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just making sure. Okay. You know, one, one thing that I think is, is worth mentioning is that both Shay and Wendy came from franchise organizations. And there, we had a lot of conversation about the independent model, locally owned independent model versus the, the franchise model. And, and there's some great franchise companies out there. Certainly, we're not trying to, to badmouth anybody. But there are um, some advantages to, to being an independent firm and the autonomy that that provides. And and I think that both Wendy and Shay were were drawn to that, and we're you know we're proud to be locally owned. We we try to do business with local organizations, and and uh, we're proud to be one of those locally owned companies that's uh, that's independent and autonomous. And I think that resonated for both of you guys, right?
8: And your reputation,
3: definitely. you, you guys, uh, I I see Patterson all the time as you know being touted as one of the top independently owned firms around, and I. Uh, I, I'm interested about that. I've never really asked you that question, Wes. I may as well do it on the air. What's the, what's the difference? Why would I care as a prospective buyer or seller to be working with you versus working with a franchise? <laughs> Well,
4: I, you know, I, I, one of the differences between having a, a company like uh, like Patterson and a and a major franchise is it is just really it's the business model from the ground up. I mean, we we've been in business for over thirty years, and our our reputation is critically important to us because we don't have. The big um, national name to to tag onto the uh, to the end of uh, of our company, so we are, we're we're reputation driven, which means we have to and and enjoy really focusing on the customer experience, and I you know. We've, we started as a small company. When when I bought the company in 2007, we had 12 agents and, and we've, we've grown, but we've grown slowly. And th- that growth has happened because of our business model and agents, they watch and they're attracted to this level of service that we provide, the quality and the caliber of the, of the agents that we attract. And, um, and yeah it, the autonomy the, the the freedom from having any corporate goon telling me how to run my business gives us the ability to really custom design our our business model and our plan and and uh we we really love that and we think it, it gives us the opportunity to have a better model one that really serves the central coast and all the
3: uniqueness here it begs the question though um if i'm working with i don't know pick one uh, Sotheby's or one of the big big companies don't they have more exposure than you uh, Their their site goes around the world and they've infinitely more dollars for advertising and all that we did we ran into that objection
4: um, often when we were interviewing for business and so we spent some time and, and effort research and if there was an opportunity for us to level the playing field in, in that regard we found a, an organization called leading real estate companies of the world They are a a network of independent offices just like us who are market leaders in all their respective markets across the world. Um, It's a very stringent vetting process to become a member of this organization. It took us about nine months of of, um, interview and and application to to gain access to this network. But it's the largest um, real estate network in the world. Uh, They operate in over 50 countries. Um, The 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 total volume that is done through this organization exceeds that of any of the major franchises and it, it gives us the opportunity to level the playing field with regard to uh to exposure so now our for example our listings are exposed in in over 50 countries around the world and uh, in every state in the united states of course through this network so we've answered that objection indeed you have
3: hey uh you wouldn't believe this, but it's already time to take the second commercial break of the hour, so we need to do that. When we get back, I'd, I wanted to talk with you guys, take the opportunity to um, to speak with you guys about uh, this new far-reaching hand, or at least the proposed far-reaching hand of uh, the slow government looking at in, infringing on property rights, as I would say. And I recognize you guys aren't totally from the slow market, but I know you have no shortage of opinion about... Uh, homeowners rights and property rights in general so let's go ahead and do our commercial break when we get back we'll have another uh, little 20 minute run to the top of the hour hang around
0: mortgage matters with host dan and jason will be right back join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832
2: for those of us who live here on the central coast we know this is a unique place to have a home and for over 30 years patterson realty has been a vital part of san luis obispo county Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
3: Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today.
1: When you buy or refinance
3: a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the
1: mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm.
0: Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez
3: everybody welcome back can't start talking before that downbeat that just doesn't it doesn't feel right <laughs> it just wouldn't. sadly it's like a 16 measure intro so you just gotta wait it out guys we're joined in the studio today by a couple of uh realtors from patterson and then the uh patriarch of the mothership wes and uh these guys are experts in the santa maria market and you know, we don't have, uh, that seemed like it ended abruptly. You should have faded that down on me, kind of. Yeah,
6: just hit, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> make me make me a little more pro Nobody over here. Who knows what was going to happen next. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. local
4: radio,
3: man. Yeah, and as this. a reminder, uh, Jim's the only professional here. Uh, we're not radio guys. We, <laughs> <laughs> I, I run a mortgage company, and these guys do real estate. Don't judge us by uh, how we do on the show. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I do want to learn a bit about the Santa Maria market and what's going on down there. It's fascinating to me that, you know, first of all, we don't have any kind of a presence in the South County. We don't have loan officers down there running around. So we don't, consequently, there aren't a lot of, uh, Santa Maria transactions that are looking for lending out of San Luis Obispo. So you guys have a, your own little market down there. I know. So I feel a little bit removed from it. And in fact, it's in a whole nother County, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's been going on down in Santa Maria? Well, our
9: our current listing inventory in uh, Santa Maria combined is approximately one hundred and fifty, which is uh, definitely low. A normal market would be somewhere in the two hundred and fifty range. Um, that did drop at the end of the year. A lot of uh, listings expire at the end of the year, and those have been coming back gradually um, and I think inventory will be increasing here as we move towards spring um, our big, our biggest price point of where our listings are of those 150 between two and four hundred thousand eighty nine of those listings uh, are, are where our biggest market is um, and then as uh, the year closed out um, for December our average um, close price um, in Santa Maria, Orkut combined was uh, three hundred sixty thousand uh, dollars, with um, d- average days on the market of fifty fifty eight. Um, in verse Santa Maria versus Orkut, our average price point on our closings uh, were three nineteen for Santa Maria and uh, three uh, excuse me four nineteen for Orkut. Uh, days on markets in each area were fifty
4: four and sixty two. Um, let, let me jump in there because I think it'll be interesting to kind of frame this against the rest of San Luis Obispo County and even San Luis Obispo proper to just give some perspective, and, and actually maybe to, to talk a little bit about the dynamics of your marketplace. Um, the, the median home price in December for the county of San Luis Obispo um, was about uh, four sixty five, and the median price for San Luis Obispo proper is six fifty five. So you know, I think it's interesting to see it and and I've said it for a long you know many years that San Luis is kind of the hub and it's the most expensive and you can look at the county almost like a, concentric circles like a like a bull'seye and mm. San Luis is the the most expensive and as you as you move out in concentric circles, you get more more affordability and so I'm curious um, being practitioners in Santa Maria, what, what do you guys see in terms of demographics? I mean, is, is, do you have a lot of folks that, that work in San Luis Obispo that commute to Santa Maria for, for living? Is it a bedroom community, or um, is it more that, that, that it serves its own economy?
8: For the most part, I think it serves its own economy. I would venture to guess that the farthest most of our residents venture out to work is Diablo. Um, we have some that commute to Santa Barbara, but a lot of the Santa Barbara commuters are moving into Vandenberg Village, Buellton, those smaller communities. But overall, I think we service ourselves pretty well. We've got, um, you know, a huge new employer or expanded employer at the Zodiac yep. and um, with good paying jobs and, and stability there. So we're seeing um, the growth in the Marion Hospital um, Expansion Shea handles a lot of the incoming doctors and relocations that way, but for the most part. I think we're either buying up or we are um, You know shrinking the household a little bit so we don't see a lot of incoming and outgoing so much um, that one would expect oh
3: the uh, When I was underwriting and we took loans like kind of more regionally I got a lot of business from Santa Maria and uh it struck me that the values in santa maria really went up far how much of the value you know from the peak to the crash and now recovered how close is it
8: uh, i i sold a home in the classics uh at bradley square over by walmart the new de- that was a one of the developments gary grossman and community coastal builders had finished and it was six hundred twenty-five thousand. at one point they were selling for 250. okay I think they're hovering around the mid-350s, maybe a little bit higher, 375. Okay. That's where we bounce back to. And we're, we're rather stable. There's nothing crazy going on in the market. The lower interest rates did not bring people off the fence that we thought that it would bring. But um, we're not experiencing any panic selling, any panic buying. It's 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 actually very comfortable. It's steady eddy. And
4: uh, in, in 2005, the median price in Santa Maria was 460 And what did you say it is currently, Shay? For December, what was that number again? The median, the median sales price.
9: Uh, for December, of San Luis combined was three hundred and
4: sixty. Yeah, three hundred and sixty. So it's there's still about a hundred grand off the top uh, on the median. How are we? Um, well, let me just look at that for you, Jay. What are you looking at? I'm looking at Keith Bird's uh, site, SlowCountyHomes.com. It's got these. We talk about these on on the air a lot, but it's it's got these, um, these tools on the site where you can look at real estate related statistics on the fly. It's amazing. You can look at the total number of sales, median home price, sales price, average square foot year versus year i mean it's it's really dynamic um in terms of what it'll show you i think you guys call that thing the
3: dashboard yeah i've heard it 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 reminds me of that because it sort of feels like the um not necessarily the controls but it's like the readings of everything that's going on and you can you know check in on engine one and see if it's overheating or you know it's time for a service or whatever it sort of lays out the stats for all of the the county and beyond right yeah yeah, it does, and and you know you can consumers
4: can get onto a, a not only that can they use these at slowcountyhomes.com, and then I know that Shay and Wendy have websites that feature these dashboards as well, but most of the the agents in, in our company um, utilize a a service whereby we send sold statistics to our clients on a monthly basis, and it includes all of these mechanisms as well,
3: so people can sign up for those newsletters if they would like yeah, I remember recently unsubscribing from that as you were sending me that a lot. <laughs> why and would you, you do that? <laughs> And why would wow. you say that on the radio? Why we no- I mean, were honest here, aren't we always honest?
8: <laughs> Was it just too much information?
3: No, I never opened it. <laughs> never even opened it. Uh, the email came, and it said, you know, Wes Burke sold reports for whatever, and I just I don't I'm resubscribing you. That's fine. Maybe I'll start reading them. It sounds like it could be useful because then you were sharing with me. It's one of the more widely opened and read emails that you send out. It sounded like 25%... Rate or something? Forty-six percent. That's ridiculous. That's really good stats. And I, how come I never opened it? I'm not the kind of guy that just tosses useful information away. I yeah, Wes, send that know, stuff Jay. to me. Wes, I'll show you the love. All, All right, right. And I'll send it to Mike. He'll he cares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I read my um, emails from Wes. I, you know what? It just, I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna have to just yank your chain a little bit. You signed me up when you um, helped me buy my house. With no explanation of what I was opting into, and then I just kind of thought it was one of these things that because we transacted now, I'm just getting spammed. Uh, had you told me there was going to be useful information in there, perhaps I would have opened it once and read it.
4: All right. Well, yeah. it's
5: possible he did tell you. It is possible.
3: Yeah.
4: Okay. All right. So the original question um, was, how are, how's San Luis doing compared to the peak? And I mentioned that we're at uh, 655000 for a median home value. The peak in San Louis was in 06 at 695, So we are wow, just about there. Which is pretty phenomenal. It really is. And, and you know, I, I think that we'll be there in 2015. We're actually hoping for modest appreciation because we want it to stay in parameters that are sustainable. Modest is what? Uh, four to seven percent
3: okay i like that plan yeah
4: that's it that's all you got that's all (laughs) that's it everything's hunky dory it's you know modest appreciation you know what we were talking about that I'm, i'm curious to hear your your comments on the um shay and and wendy were were saying at the break that they've not really seen an increase in activity Um, with interest rates creeping down. And I'm curious about that because regardless of what direction um, values are going for us in the industry, the number of transactions is always an important um, component in the equation. I mean, we we need to do deals to keep bread on the table. So what what are your comments about um, why the interest rates haven't spurred more
3: activity? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you from where I'm sitting, I've got a, a few different uh, ideas of what's happening right now. First of all, uh, what's the date today?
5: Today's the 17th.
3: So it's been two weeks. It's been two weeks that we've had some low interest rates. Um, and just this last week, uh, Friday. Fridays are never great lock days anyway. I don't usually like to price loans or lock loans on a Friday unless there's some dire need. But at any rate... Uh, Friday was up a little bit. Thursday was the lowest rates we've seen in 18 months. It was phenomenally low. Can't argue that. Tons of people calling to refi. Uh, There's a lot of business. Uh, People that are coming in that are involved in pre-qualifications and purchase transactions are thrilled to learn that. Their pre-qualifications gone up, or their if they stay where they were, that their monthly payments just gone down from where they began. Uh, kind of doing their research and in that on this. So, so first of all, it's not been long enough that everybody knows. And then secondly, I just got to say that uh, this is old news. Uh, the first time rates really did this, it was like oh my gosh, and everybody got the fever, and we just saw everybody running to you know, kind of went through this, everybody buy, everybody refi, everybody refi again, everybody refi again, everybody refi again, and if you don't own a house, why? You better rush and get one. Rates are so low. Um, and so this time around, do people care as much that the rates are low? You, you see the headline in the paper that interest rates are at their two-year low, and, and people just kind of, yeah, interest rates have been low for a long time, and what's the next article? So I don't think it's going to have the splash ever that it had before, but um, therein, I'd say, lies the opportunity for the people that are paying close attention. Uh, all of our clients and the listeners of this show, the people that are following along at home, there's some real opportunities to save some money right now. I mean, so much so that there's a, a client that I'm working with this week, bought a house uh, about three years ago on a 20-year loan and got a 20-year loan at 4%, which was a great loan. And today he's getting a 15-year loan at 3%. And that drop of one percentage point in interest allows that payment is pretty much equal to go from... Uh, 20 down to 15. Granted, he's made three years worth of progress, so he's getting out of a full two years worth of payments to just come back and refi. So this is a guy that if the headline was just a waste on him, would have paid an extra 24 months of 2000 bucks a month. That's uh, like 50 grand. Uh, that's the difference in retiring a year or two early. So um, again, the people that are paying attention and tracking along with this could really find some benefit to figure out how they could better their own situation. But I'm not convinced the public at large is going to have the same feeding frenzy that they had in in 2010.
4: Well, I was kind of baiting you a little bit with the question cuz for me really the the underlying issue here is the reality that in this market for the last couple of years in fact, the uh, first time home buyers have been strangely absent. And we don't really understand that and I think that um I know the, why. Low interest rates. I've been
3: reading about the millennials. I know why. Because they're still living in their parents' basement? They're living in their parents' basement. Um, or they moved they, to San Francisco to have a good time. They watched friends um, that are you know, older siblings and cousins and, and um, the like totally lose everything they had in real estate a few years ago. They're not convinced that it's a sound bet. Um, additionally, now that we date online... Um, you have your e might pair you up with somebody from, uh, Ventura, in which case you, you have to be portable if you're going to find your soulmate. So, uh, I think That's part of it is, point. no, I think part of it is that people are reluctant to, to anchor themselves down. To be like if you because if you buy a house here and you're 30 years old and you, you know, the dating pool of San Luis or Santa Maria might not you might not believe that that's all you could have and want to have a bigger region. Um, uh, Wes, your your dad my dad um our grandparents and stuff had jobs on average of like 14 years or something today these kids have had jobs on average of two years so there's a lot more mobility and portability i think that um, real estate sort of infringes upon uh, in owning it well i maybe that's
4: that's the perception and i definitely think all of those things are contributors to to the uh, situation but i maybe it's because i am getting old and i am a little bit old school but i still see the value in home ownership and i, I, I just think it's the smart thing to do for so many different reasons and and i, I i'm hopeful that that this changes that, that it's got buyers come back. And you know santa Maria is kind of a market that I, I think we at least perceive a lot of first-time home buyer activity is that fair to say about santa Maria
9: yeah uh, we, we do get a, a lot of uh you know first-time home buyers um, Wendy touched on a little bit though, as majority of what we're getting right now is uh, move up or move down buyers and, uh, whether it's, you know, growing families or, or empty nesters downsizing a large majority of our business is that right now. And with, once again, with the interest rates, we, I do have some in, in my database, have some fence sitters, you know, first time buyers, you know, all of a sudden, okay, let's look now. And so I have a, a, a small portion of my, uh, you know, database doing that as
4: well. Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at Keith's site again to to pull the stat uh, relative to the number of sales and Santa Maria um, was down in the number of transactions um, Quite a bit between from from 13 to 14. I mean you did significantly more Transactions in 13 than you did in 14. What do you guys think 15 is going to be like?
8: Uh, I think if you get three Realtors in a room, you'll get four different opinions when you walk out, but it's anywhere from two to four percent, which is a, which is a healthy, stable climb.
4: Yeah, and what do you think about volume? Do you think fifteen is going to you'll see more volume in fifteen than fourteen?
8: I, I hope so. We ha- we have a not a healthy inventory, Shay mentioned, but it's really not a great inventory. If mm. if there's a beautiful home priced right on the market, it's being <laughs> scooped up in a week. But average days on market of two months isn't too bad. But we're looking for more of the same, though.
3: Yeah. Ah, uh, we're getting forced out for the top of the hour commercial break. That's the time that Jim starts waving his fingers and the newcomers are like, what's he doing?
10: <laughs>
3: right when I'm having a sneezing fit, too. Sorry about that, you guys. So it'll be a couple minutes here. Go out and water your dog. Get some coffee. Do what you got to do. We got another hour of Mortgage Matters to come. So do stick around. Uh, we're going to do a half hour with these guys. And then we'll have a half hour without them. So stick with us for more Mortgage Matters.
0: Tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800 549 5832. Now, back to the show.
3: All right, welcome back. Jim, so nice of you to bring us back with my favorite song. Appreciate that. I think
4: he's mocking me. I mentioned that I'm older, so he's playing pop music that everyone knows about except the old people like
3: me. I've never heard this. Nobody knows about this song. <laughs> yes. it, I think he's doing it because they're out of money on the royalty budget, so they had to pick something <laughs> that you don't have to pay for. That's, That's yeah. good. Hey, uh, going back, though, I wanted to... Oh, hang on. I, I just There goes the cart there in front of the horse. You're listening, thanks Jim, you're listening to Mortgage Matters. I got Wes Burke, Winnie Tashara, and Shea Hutchinson on. These guys are real estate gurus. I got Mike Points. He's added a couple yeses and an uh uh-huh during that um, last half hour. Um, So thank you. He's browsing the internet or something. I'm actively listening over here. Okay, just checking. Uh, We've been kind of, you know orienting ourselves to the market a little bit west while we were taking our break i had a um a little bit of an idea too about i was thinking about these move up buyers that you're talking about and the move down buyers as i call them the right sizers uh, downsizing has a negative yeah. connotation but if you're right sizing for your new needs that that feels like a positive thing uh, in any case I think yeah. one of the other things that you can't discount here is that a, um, matters, yeah. a lot of a lot of people have really low interest rates from having bought a home a few years ago and and one of the things you got to acknowledge like when did uh, you get into this business name, what's your name again? in um, 96 and you have the most here. gray hair in the room so you're definitely the the guy that we're all gonna look to for this um, interest yeah, rates saw, from that right? point what was the interest rate 96? Um, I think we were at about
4: seven and a half. I I refinanced a house that I owned to get seven and a quarter or something from a a nine. It was a 9% interest rate, and I refied for a seven-ish.
3: I think we go back and look at from like the Carter-Reagan era— Interest rates have sort of declined from then to today. And if you look at the overall graph, yeah, there's been some spikes and some drops and well, little... Wendy and I were talking in the break about um, her her dad's favorite saving saying, right, Wendy? Huh.
8: Yeah, he he says it's free money now. 4% is like free money. Back when he bought his house and Jimmy Carter was president, right. it was
3: 18%. 18% but yeah, difference is though, too, that was like a $27,000 house versus the $500,000 house it is today. Um, but yeah, point being though, is now that we've sort of negotiated that all the way down to what is arguably got to be the bottom, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to, they're going to tolerate more things about their house or just stay a little bit longer because their rate's lower. Yeah,
4: but the rate can't be much lower than today. That's the thing. I mean, so this
3: is what I was. The logic leads us to is, if rates were back at five or six percent, you could see how that would handcuff an awful lot of people into dealing with their property. But what the public hasn't figured out yet is, with these rates touching back to their historic lows, those people that felt stuck now can recognize that they've got an opportunity to go back and lock it in and, and do it again to get a little bit more property or to get in that school district they want or to add that third bedroom or whatever. I think that that part of it creates that opportunity for those move up buyers. And, and you know, and that's our job to get the word out to all those people that hey there's a, a unique opportunity exists today that wasn't here twelve months ago. Twelve months ago I might have given somebody different advice. It's like yeah, you're kind of silly if you give up your three and a half percent thirty-year fixed to go into a four and a quarter to get that one more bedroom. You know, are you sure you can't just deal with it until that that kid graduates and moves out, and then you'll have your guest room? Anyway, uh, we got a phone call to take here. We got Tom calling from Santa Maria. Good morning, welcome to Mortgage Matters. Morning. How are you? Good. How you doing? Hey I'm Tom. Doing great. Hey Tom, it's Mike here. Good to hear you on the hey, air, Mike.
11: I just wanted to tell you quick about an open house that I've got on Bentley.
3: Awesome. Oh, please do.
11: 2438 Bentley. It's uh, built in 2003. That's in Santa Maria, right, Tom?
5: That's in Santa Maria, isn't it?
11: Yes, it's in the southern part of Santa Maria. I mean, the northern part, excuse me. So it's pretty easy to get to. It's within walking distance of the junior high school. And it's it's about 20, let's see, about 20. 200 or yeah 2200 square feet it's in beautiful shape it's manicured lawn everything inside has been uh, kept nicely it's an excellent shape it's a nice neighborhood quiet an interior home so it's not on the outside of the track it's a, it's in nice shape
3: what's the oh, uh, list price about
11: 12 to four
3: what's the list price um, there Tom
11: asking price is 349. And I stress that's asking price. The seller wants to entertain all offers. Sure. So sure. we're waiting.
3: All right.
5: Yeah, I'll second what Tom said. We looked at this yesterday. Uh, the house is in great shape. Uh, it's got a great front front yard appeal, curb appeal. And uh, I'd recommend if you guys have some time today, if you're out running to Costco or going to the grocery store, walking the dog, take a peek. It's it's a, it's in a great little neighborhood.
11: It is. It's in a nice neighborhood. It's quiet. Uh, it's quiet. Um, it's a newer home, it's not old It's in excellent shape, I have to stress that Because it's, it's, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with it it's, It has gas as far as uh, propulsion of the uh, water heater And also the oven range, which is kind of nice And uh, there's already a direct dish installed on the house So you don't oh. have to worry about that it's in good shape, okay. it's nice, nice yard You could have animals because there's plenty of room in the yards.
3: Excellent. So come see it Tom, thanks for the call. They appreciate it.
11: Thank you. Have a great day, you guys. Take care, Tom. You too.
3: Well.
4: So, Wendy and I were chatting in the break, Jay, and I will use this opportunity to kind of tie the morning session up with what we're doing now. Um, we were talking about the termite before they joined us, and Wendy's got a situation now um, where she's representing a seller on a condo and in the purchase agreement the buyer asked for a termite report but the section one or two has not been negotiated yet um the hoa in this situation is as is generally the case with the condo they're responsible for the exterior maintenance i.e termite infestation sure and um so the, the the report does discover infestation, and there are findings there. So help Wendy understand how to navigate the situation rel- uh, relative to the loan.
3: This is one of those situations too, where it really matters the the lender that you're working with. and um and I don't say that just as a a, a shameless plug here, but I'm talking more about the different banks because there there's a different approach to this issue often, so much so that oftentimes, the HOAs on a condominium complex will have a schedule that they actually bring in a termite guy to, to do testing, and then they'll do tenting, and they they do it on these uh, periodic reviews. And so they, they're not a big fan of, oh, look, now Unit F has got a new request, and so we're going to come in and tent this structure of six units all together this week just for you. Um, It doesn't usually work like that. So some of the linears that we work with will allow the HOA to issue a statement um, saying that we are well aware that there's infestation in the unit and it's the responsibility of HOA to tent the unit and that is scheduled to be done at this time. That's even past the close of escrow. So my first suggestion to you would be to offer that. First of all, would the HOA draft that? Would they agree to that and sort of take that responsibility? If they would... Would then the underwriter present that to management and seek an exception? Because there's just a logistical challenge in making that happen in this next three-week period or whatever whatever your escrow term is. Um, and, you know, it, depending on what all your guys' time frames are, you might end up just needing that, that accommodation. And so sometimes you have to, do, you have to back up and, and put your package out to a new lender that understands that issue and is going to be a little bit more lenient with it. Uh, And then and then otherwise you got that that opportunity for the seller to try to go in and convince the HOA to to disturb this whole block so that they can tent the entire thing and do the work in time. But that's another great example of how. Um, that just being in the contract kind of caused a problem. So, so now that it's in the contract, but the, the work's not negotiated. So now we're assuming
4: the lender's going to ask for the report. When they see the report, will they will they then insist that there's some, well, that in, it's handled some way or another? And,
3: and this is an opportunity for you to save yourself a little bit of grief, just as a strategy. I usually say, I mean, for me, my my fiduciary responsibility oftentimes is to the lender. Right, the bank that's ultimately going to wire out the couple hundred thousand bucks, $300,000, whatever this condo is going to be, I, I can't withhold information and knowingly fraud them out of something that was material, like knowledge of that report. But as the agents, if you could not deliver the report to me, um, so much so that I'm not even sure if it actually exists or not, but um, the contract certainly says that a termite report is required, uh, then a standard addendum to the contract is signed that's signed by all parties saying that this is this transaction is now as is. There won't be uh, any, and I wouldn't specifically label termite, but just to say there won't be any additional inspections um, demanded or required. And when everybody signs that, then we're forced to go say this overrides the entire contract in all terms of inspections and, and reports. And if it's as is and the buyer and seller agree, like I was saying earlier, that's where then we're gonna go back and rely on the appraiser to be our eyes and ears. And you know, if the appraiser says, I saw termites in every windowsill in this house, uh, then we're probably gonna come to ask for a termite report ourselves. But if you amend it out and there's no reason for us to believe there's a problem, then it just, it goes away. And that that's another strategy that can be employed. So you kinda gotta decide what's the best course of action on that. I worry. And I've, you know, as a loan guy, I'm not I'm not in there amending these things out. But sometimes I worry if you amend it out of the contract, then does that create some exposure for your buyer? Is it something that you really need to have in the contract to ensure that they get the deal that that they need to have? I worry less about that in an HOA because the HOA has a, the structural maintenance obligation that the individual homeowner just doesn't have.
4: Yeah, and therefore, I think the, the lenders generally uh,
3: they ad- acknowledge that and, and deal with it appropriately, right? You know, I, I want to say yes to you. I really do. But I'm going to tell you, as a guy that I used to underwrite and I used to train underwriters, um, and Mike can attest to this, he's only been with me for a couple months now, but most of my day consists with arguing with underwriters that don't know what they're doing. Um, and it's one of these things where it's easy to just – Uh, throw blanket conditions across every file. I would say 100% of my loans, I'm getting conditions deleted, waived, um, or at least modified to something that's more reasonable. The reality of it is if you're you're the guy that's going to be responsible to have dotted all of the I's and crossed all of the T's, it's easiest to over condition and ask for a million things. And then when you provide something to say, no, that's not good enough. What we want is an actual termite clearance. And What's what's difficult if you are very good at your job and you have a really good understanding and confidence of your abilities to go back and say, no, I understand that there's a, there's a feasible problem with getting this place tinted prior to the close of escrow. And therefore, we need to seek a, a, a likely remedy. And the HOA is ultimately going to care for it at some point. So if we can get them to put it on their letterhead that they will – you know, make that accommodation. But most underwriters are not going to err to that side of being more workable until they're sort of forced to do so. Yeah.
4: Wendy and, and Shay, what's been your experience thus far um, with the new purchase agreement? Both, I'm, I'm curious both what your thoughts are personally, but also what you're seeing in terms of your your colleagues from, from other companies around the Santa Maria area relative to the use of the new RPA.
9: Definitely, I see there's going to be some growing pains. Um, just got a, a couple offers recently, and you know things need to be uh, you know dialed in and uh, you know understood a, a little bit better with the uh, with the new purchase agreement. Um, I myself, I I study it over and over again, and always you know are looking uh, at all the changes. And I like a lot of the changes, and I think it's going to you know definitely benefit our business and be a much cleaner product. It's just going to take
3: people getting used to it. I pulled up one of the purchase contracts I got this week, and i got to admit, I've I've already received probably, I mean, I probably have a half a dozen purchases now that are drawn on this new contract in my pipeline, and, and I go through them and make sure that there isn't any glaring errors or anything. I was a little bit taken aback and wanted to ask you guys, um, I received a term, um, an addendum amending the terms of this contract by the seller multiple counteroffer, and that kind of felt like a new form to me. I, I imagine it did exist before, but I have a counter offer on this file that amends the sales price. And uh, the agents initially didn't provide me with this um, seller multiple counter offer, but in going through the details of the multiple counter offer, they ch- listen to this. I mean, this is. Um, they required the buyer to submit their highest and best offer the escrow the contract offered 30 days this con- this addendum here is amending it to 45 the seller will not dis- not repair any discoloration of the flooring throughout the the rug is to be included the deposit is to be increased and all parties are to initial the um the arbitration clause And I wasn't provided this, but I started, is this going to be one of the new things? Those are kind of some significant terms. Um, Am I just, is it bizarre that I don't feel familiar with this happening on this form, or is this part of the new contract?
5: Well, the rug really did complete the room, though, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Really tied it together. Really (laughs)
4: tied it together. It
10: was a deal (laughs)
4: breaker. Um, I, I'm a, a little confused I guess I, I don't understand what you're confused about I mean that we do, we use the uh, seller multiple counteroffer form often when there are multiple offers, and basically what that does is it gives the seller the right to review all the responses without being obligated just because a buyer accepts the terms and conditions of his counteroffer. Obviously, the, a seller could find themselves in contract with three or four buyers at the same time, were it not for this the clause that's built into this particular form.
3: So, if if is that where you have confusion? Well, kind kind of. I mean, those particular issues feel like they're sort of addressing uh, one particular offer. But I could see how they need to tell everybody the rug's included. That's kind of strange to me. Um, I guess I'm just used to seeing these things on the standard counteroffer or addendum forms. Um, oh, and- yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure in this case it's it's the situation I just described. There okay. are, are
4: multiple buyers are getting a counteroffer, and the terms of those counteroffers don't have to be the same, Jay. So the terms that you're seeing in this particular counteroffer may have been given to that particular buyer, and the terms given to other buyers could be completely different than that.
3: So this is just an issue of them saying, because it's on this form, you you should be well advised that we're countering other people too.
4: We're, not only are we countering other hmm. people, people, but we have the right to review your response and ultimately choose whether or not we accept it. Even if the, if the buyer agrees to all the terms and conditions in that counteroffer, the seller still has the right to then go reconsider whether or not he wants to um, open escrow with that particular buyer or perhaps one of
3: the other buyers. I'm going to use myself as an example here to say, um, this is why you all should be careful. I am a licensed real estate broker able to go transact business today. Um, and I don't I mean, I've had my license for a long time and I don't and there's some of this stuff that I just don't know about Just proof to say that because somebody has a license doesn't mean they know what they're doing or that you should work with them
4: Well, I, I think it really points it it, it it highlights just how complicated transactions are these days and that is why You need someone like Shay or Wendy to help you navigate These circumstances so you don't get yourself into trouble. Yes, well, sir.
3: Well played sir. Um, I, Yeah, well, I suppose it's commercial break time. We have a, phew, man, I don't even know what to do. All right, phone call. Let's do that. We got Bonnie calling from Los Osos. Good morning, Bonnie.
10: Yes, when you get somebody to come and treat a termite area, years and years ago we had a little area, and the company came in with orange oil that they injected into the wood. Okay. And it seemed to hold... For years and years and years, now I have another little area, and I can't find the name of the company that my husband had used.
3: One of, like, the the eco companies, maybe?
10: Maybe. I don't know where he found it, and I can't find it in our papers.
3: I think in the water heater closet, don't they generally staple that termite inspection next to the it water was, heater?
10: It wasn't an inspection. It was just something that he found. He called a company. They came out, took care of it, and it seemed to be gone.
8: Usually, Bonnie, when a termite inspector comes out, they do some kind of inspection, even if it's just limited, and they'll put a tag either in your garage or even up in the attic, and it'll tell you the date of treatment, and that kind of gives you a... A reminder of when you need to calm back out because usually those local treatments are only guaranteed 12 to 24 months but you oh. sounds like you've had good luck so far if it's been several years
10: several years and so i've been searching for the papers
4: well, bonnie if you don't find it um, shoot me an email and and i'll give you um, The contact information for a couple different termite companies that we know and use and trust. Um, Okay,
10: and what is your email?
4: Wes at WesBurk, W-E-S-B-U-R-K dot com.
10: Okay, thank you very much.
3: You bet. The termites move a little bit slower because of the fog out there. That's... That's the deal. So before you go to commercial break
4: and we lose our friends, Shay and Wendy, I, I want to give them a, a chance to just talk a little bit about um, themselves and their business model. I mentioned earlier that they are two of the most productive agents in the whole Santa Maria Valley. And I I just couldn't be more proud to have them associated with Patterson Realty. But I want to hear um, them talk a little bit about what makes their service uh, different and unique. And, and why, do, why do you guys – how have you been able to develop the business that, that you have? Why do you do such great volume? Uh, one thing is be there, answer your phone. I mean, it's
9: not that hard to <laughs> say, but it's, it's hard to do, but you just, just be there for your clients and also have knowledge of your market, um, have, uh, you know, knowledge of, you know, all the forms involved and each transaction that you're going to be involved in and be able to serve your clients, whether they're buyers or sellers, um, how you would serve your own transaction and, uh, you know, treat them like family or make help, help them have the information to make every decision that you would make your, yourself. Treat them like family or
3: better. <laughs> <laughs> better in your case, <laughs> <laughs> That's Wendy, great what, advice.
4: What about you? I, I know for for you, you're as a you know a longtime Santa Maria resident and, and expert. It's but it's fascinating to me when I spend time with you in Santa Maria. We'll go have coffee, and every body that walks through the door of the coffee shop, not only do you know them, you know their dad, their kids, where they had lunch the day before. I mean, it is a, it's astonishing. How much you how well connected you are in Santa Maria.
8: You are way too funny. Uh no, I've been here since I was about three years old and my family owns a, a local car dealership, Stowasser GMC. And my husband is fifth generation um farmer as well. And that's bona fide. It's it's awesome. It you do know everybody. You um, you get to watch their children grow. We're active in our community and our 4-H and FFA and school boards, and and um, you know, some I think the saying is sometimes people don't care how much you know; they just want to know how much you care. Absolutely. And with that trust factor, um, that's where you get the phone call, and then with the knowledge, that's how you get the client. And when you market and advertise extensively. And you keep your pulse on what's going on. Uh, um, Shay had a great um, example when he did all his stats. And you know the numbers. You know the houses on the market when someone calls you and tells you they want a four-bedroom orchid under 400000 And you can rattle off three or four homes and which ones you'd show them or which ones you think they'd like because you've known them for so long. That's that's where that commitment, the trust, the reputation, the loyalty comes in and, and. I think Shay will agree with me. If you love what you do for a living, they see it and they want to work with you. If you're, you know, don't want to pick up your phone on a Saturday or you're dragging your feet to get information back to them, they feel it. And they'll just go on to the next realtor. And and, uh, thankfully, uh, Shay and I don't get a lot of that. So, And we're proud to be with Patterson. We've got our office on the 11th hole uh, off the Santa Maria Country Club uh, as we say daily we're slumming it (laughs) until our new office on santa maria way is completed hopefully in april we'll be right across the street from the fence factory kind of sandwiched in between the calvary chapel and the old office restaurant and uh we're just proud of our our new uh our new name and our local ownership and we look forward to talking to all of you and if you like the stats that shay i mean excuse me that wes was talking on keith bird's website as um we are affectionately reminded you can get those emails. They're complimentary. So just contact either Shay or I, and we'd be happy to add you to our list each month and click on the link and open up the information, and, and it's <laughs> it's good and valuable.
4: How do people contact you guys?
8: I'm real easy. Uh, www.callwendy.com. Can't can't get easier than that.
9: And my email is Shay at Pretty simple as well.
3: Excellent. Well, thank you both for taking the time to come in today. We sure appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to doing some deals with you guys. Sounds Definitely. Good. Yeah. Sounds good.
8: Thanks, guys. Have a good week. All right.
3: Thank you. Take care. All right. We're going to do commercial break. we got a couple minutes to take some time out to thank the sponsors. When we get back, we'll have another half hour of Mortgage Matters. Stick around. To
0: ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors.
1: What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks I couldn't ask for more But now I've got to figure out What I should use it for A new bike would be radical But maybe something practical Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm Get to a better state State Farm
0: Switch to State Farm and you could save To find out more in San Luis Obispo Call Agent Susan Rodriguez Through seven presidential administrations Bull and bear markets
7: Unprecedented your So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA NSIPC.
3: Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When
1: you buy or refinance a home, just call Just call We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending.
0: You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
3: woo All right, everybody. Well, that was that was fun little hour nice to meet your new agents uh i am giddy
4: they are um, amazing agents they're they just they serve their clients and you know top level they're they're just great people they care they do a tremendous amount of business and the reason they do a lot of business um, is because they serve their clients so well that they get the referrals they right. they're their clients tell their friends and family what a wonderful job they did, and it leads to more business. And like I said, I mean, Santa Maria is a tricky market. I don't claim to know it, and I would never go down there. I would never take our brand down there unless I knew um, I was partnering with with the right people, and I just could not be more thrilled to have Shay and Wendy on board. They are, they're fantastic.
3: Epic. All right, Wes, I was trying to ask you earlier – I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this issue in Slow with the uh, city council uh, basically trying to take houses away from people for their own use. Um, well the city council's involved in a, a few
4: things right now that I that I would label as nefarious um, so I'm not sure exactly which one you mean there's there's been two issues that have uh, hit my radar and irritated me lately um, the first has to do with inspections of rental properties in San Luis Obispo yeah. and um, I felt like the city council kind of ig- ignored the the public and public comment and kind of went down a path that uh, that um, most involved in the industry, Phil, is the wrong path. And then, um, I think there's a city council member right now that's out there kind of promoting a, a, an idea that's nothing more than that. Now, it's it's not a it's you know it's, it's not a written ordinance that's being proposed or anything yet, but the concept is uh, um, is being floated, um, where the city would purchase properties that are um, in close proximity to Cal Poly. They would purchase them as they become available, um, place a deed restriction on the property, which mandates owner occupancy, and then resell them. Um, Needless to say, I think it's an absolutely horrible idea. I mean, for a lot of different reasons, but not the least of which is I just think it's completely out of the scope of what a city government ought to do. And the risk that's involved with a city buying and selling real estate is completely, completely inappropriate.
3: I'm not entirely sure why anybody would believe that's a good idea. Surely you must have heard a bit of the argument as to why. why. Why would the city even feel that this is... What problem is this going to solve? Well, the problem um, is that we, it, the
4: city of San Luis Obispo has already about 60% of the housing inventory is rental. So only about 40% of the homes in San Luis are owner-occupied, which is a pretty high rate. Now, that number is um, even higher the closer you get to Cal Poly. Okay. And the neighborhoods are relatively old. There are a number of retirees that have lived in those neighborhoods for a very long time when they were mostly yeah. comprised of retired folks. And over the years, they've become more and more impacted with Cal Poly renters. And the um, the challenges that go along with that change in demographics have spurred um, some of the residents in those neighborhoods to want to do something about it. Um, I just happen to think that this particular uh, attempt at a solution is is misguided.
6: It seems to me like, you know, I'll throw something in here. It might be one of those things that, you know, you're living next to a university. Right. I, I'm sorry, but you're living next to a university. Cal Poly is a, I mean, I don't, I I, I know, I don't want to say all kids are good or bad. They're not. You know, I mean, it's, you're going to have good and bad in every bag, population. Yeah. But you're living next to a university. People come to the town. I mean, it's a very well-known university. Every New Year's Day, they have a float in a parade down in Southern California. Everybody knows about it. And it just seems to me like you're, it's one of those things. If you're going to live next to an airport, you might hear an airport airplane
4: yeah i agree with you jim I, you know I, the argument just to play devil's advocate um because i i hear it made by some of these folks is is that they were there bef- you know they were there in these neighborhoods when those neighborhoods were were reasonable places to live and cal poly was there at, at that time so why can and when, can't when we get was that vintage days? though that well, I think it's been a long time, you know, frankly. Cal Poly's grown over the years, and, and the footprint of where students live is, is grown. So I, I'm not arguing that the neighborhoods haven't changed. And, and I do think you're right, though, Jim. I mean, I, I think it, it is kind of the, re, the reality, and we don't mm-hmm. – these – I'll say we, we don't seem to complain about the money that Cal Poly brings to mm-hmm. our community. We don't seem to complain about the arts that Cal Poly um, brings to the, the community. But, you know, they, we're we're plenty happy to get on a, on a soapbox and complain about uh, some of the challenges that, that the, the, the students bring in terms of uh, impact on, on living conditions. And let's not just pick on Cal Poly because there's
6: Cuesta, too. And there's oh, a yeah. lot of kids that go to Cuesta move here because they want to go to cal poly and they wind up going to cuesta for a while and it's just it's just to me it's like oh you know you're living in a fair, University town
3: to be fair cal poly has been around here for more than 100 years uh
6: 1901 i think Yeah. so it's and it's trained up some years.
3: of leading minds of the world have I mean, come out of cal poly i mean Mm-hmm. You well, guys the same saw students that are trying to go to MIT and
5: Stanford are also taking a peek here. Yeah,
6: right. I, I, I would find it very hard to believe that somebody has been in, in their house since before 1901.
3: Yeah, <laughs> so... I, I would. I personally would would suggest that before these people are um, able to take property and, and deed restrict it against its future use. I mean, it, to me. When you mention that 60% of uh, the housing stock in San Luis and even more so the closer you get to Cal Poly is tenant-occupied, uh, well, there's a reason for that. There's a housing demand, uh, and these people don't want to be on campus. And, and I'll tell you, uh, one of the reasons that a lot of the people I knew when I went to Cal Poly that left campus... Left, uh, first of all, Cal Poly requires that you live on campus for your first year if you're an incoming freshman, right? Correct. And then it's a dry campus, too. So... You you know if you live in the dorms then near the the uh, RA comes by and takes away all your beer and all thing doesn't you even if you're 21 you're not allowed to be drinking there on campus so um, maybe some of their change in policy would have people wanting to move into those uh, I mean how much vacancy does Cal Poly have with the new dorms that they built up in Co- Poly Canyon I, I remember I remember hearing that uh, Cal Poly had um, added some unbelievable amount of beds, and and at that time we were all to be scared that when all of those people elected to move back onto Cal Poly campus that the city would become overwhelmed with vacancies and plummeting property values because it would just be so much more affordable to live in those beds up on the hill. Why don't the students want to live on campus? I mean, maybe there's some policies there that need to be addressed, but... Going beyond that, it just strikes me as a – I mean, it's a really complex problem. I'm glad I'm not the person that's being tasked with solving it. but Well, I don't, I don't know that there's a solution. I mean, I think that, jims you've got the right philosophy. I mean, the solution
4: is if you don't like living next to students, move away from the university. I mean, yeah. I, I know that's tough. People – that have been in their homes for 40, 50 years don't feel like they should have to move no. to enjoy a quality of life. I respect and understand that, but honestly, I just I don't think that there's a solution well, when you when they you have well, a the university. reality is
3: is their house is worth an awful lot more money because of the the college students they are paying the premiums for the housing. No, and, no,
6: and I do agree that with mm-hmm. you know the college students don't need to be out partying all the time. I understand that, I, I you know, and there, there might be some issues with that, especially if you're in the frat row, the sorority row and stuff like that. But but on the other hand, you have to understand that the university has been there for over 100 years and chances are you have not been in your house for over 100 years.
3: Maybe they ought to just take in uh, create a special mellow ruse. For yeah. that entire district up there that funds right. t- extra cops that are 24 hours a day enforcing mm-hmm. nuisance, noise, parking, um, unsafe living conditions, doing all that. Just let that fund itself then but leave the uh, property rights <laughs> yeah. alone. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if, if
4: – like I said, I don't know if there's a great solution, it, but I, I do think that – when we step back and and look at this with some perspective, it's really. Well, I, I feel like we're we don't really have the problems that that we could. No, I mean, Poly I the students are incredibly bright that are mm-hmm. that are attending Cal Poly. Um, the laws are already pretty strict and tight. Um, they, I mean, there's some there's some heavy handed dealing with landlords and tenants that. Um, when kids get out of control and party too much and disturb the peace. And the Cal um, Poly is a good neighbor as far too, I think as far as clamping down on the fraternities and the sororities when they do get out of line. And yeah. So. And I mean, I, I just don't think that think Poly's nearly the party school that, uh, that some universities
3: around the country are. And I, I think we've got it pretty yeah, good. Yeah. You didn't just go seems... to Cal Poly, dude. There's some wicked parties going on over there. Uh, I remember, um, you know, many moons ago, cause I'm an old gray man now too. Uh, I remember you could go up over, uh, what's that, uh, campus bottle place over there off California. There's a road, a couple roads behind there we literally, you know, what do you want to do on a Saturday night? Just go over there and just start walking from house party to house party Mm -hmm. there. Right. It's raging. It's big time. Those there's big parties there all the time. Uh, I'm gonna argue that Cal Poly, uh, San Luis Obispo, actually is a pretty big party town. One of the problems is that we just don't want to acknowledge that. Nobody mm-hmm. nobody's dealing with with that issue. And, and you know, Jim, well, you said I don't condone or whatever the the students partying. Um, yeah, I don't want to get into all my politics no. on the matter, but there's a there's some reason why these kids that are yeah. fresh out of high school and fresh out of home and have their own house and ability to party are uh, uh, utilizing that ability to oh, party. Sure. It, sure. It's always happened and it's always going well, it's to happen. Not, yeah. and that's um, why
6: you have to realize: don't move in next to the university. Yeah, I mean it's going to happen. You know, you're a bunch, next to a bunch of college kids. Don't yeah. move in next to it.
3: Mm-hmm. I. I could see the rub on both sides. I mean there's a mm-hmm. there's a decent argument to be made about those people that are being disturbed by the neighborhood getting overrun, but yeah. you know yeah, I would probably err on the side of go ahead and move. And you know, you've been there for 40 years and that causes problems or whatever, but that's one of the great things is that San Luis allows you to move your tax base. So you're not going to lose your Prop 13. You might move over, you know, and if you sell a house that's up there off of like, you know, I had a buddy that has a house on Loomis. It's practically in the slow lane of 101. It's noisy as all get out there, not only from the freeway, but the rest is soon. So this house is a... Not a nice house, and it's like a million dollars because it's right there next to Cal Poly. Um, So, if that's your house, sell that bad boy, and you can get a house over at the country club that's like twice the house just for getting away from Cal Poly and move your tax base and find yourself, uh, you know, living longer because right if you just reduce your stress if it's bothering you that bad that your life's mission has become to hate the sound of children playing um, then it's time to remove yourself from the situation mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, one, of, one of my friends when I was young said that uh, be careful to never allow the sound of children playing to, to uh, make you angry oh, I thought that was just a, a hidden fish reference <laughs> yeah oh. that too um, point being though, there's there's a, a variety of different ways to solve this complex problem. but to me, even if you start buying the homes up, those West how many those homes aren't transacting that fast either. so you could go in and make this far-reaching egregious law in my opinion only to find out that it's going to take, 20 or 30 or 40 years by which time all the people that complained um are dead and gone and the folks that are buying in there are well aware that this is a problem there's going to be parking problems your recycling bin's going to be full of beer cans the next morning you're going to hear parties you're going to have all of these issues that go along with you know six people in a three-bedroom house with eight cars parked out front that's just going to happen if you buy there um so I don't see how that's a solution in the end, anyway.
4: Well, it's just like I said originally. It's 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 bad um, it's bad government that the the cost to buy and sell real estate is roughly about six percent. So if we're talking about a six hundred thousand dollar house, which is you know the median over right. there, that's going right. to be on the low end, frankly. It's going to cost the city thirty six grand just to just to do the transaction. And that doesn't even contemplate any of the risk that's involved. I mean, how many times are they going to buy a $600,000 asset only to, to discover when they go to sell it, the, the, the home, ins- the home inspector finds something that they're yeah. unaware of, and now it's a, another $100,000 hit they're going to take on it. I mean, it's just not the government's um, function to, to own and Turn real estate assets it's just it's way outside of what they do
5: and i appreciate that they're trying to diversify and do more with the money that they have but you know if you look at their just their securities or investment portfolio most of it is very very low risk very oh yeah. Low risk. yeah as it so should it, be yeah i agree i agree i've sitting through i've sat through those financial meetings and there's only so much they can do, so it kind of baffles me, West. That uh, you know, this is a discovery for me today. I didn't know that that was the case.
4: Well, and I, to be honest, I I think this is an idea that's that's being um, discussed, but I I really don't it anticipate it's going to gain traction. Yeah, we're
3: probably wasting breath on it. Okay. Um, the the other the other interesting thing that um, you you kind of breezed over at first, this other idea uh, of having the Rental inspection program in San Luis Obispo. That's an interesting one. Um, Likewise, I found myself um, really offended by the very idea of it to begin with. Um, And then I was surprised to see on, uh, I was reading the article on the Tribune site, there was a lot of comments about people chiming in saying that their landlord was not fair and filthy and had them in unhabitable conditions and all these kinds of things and that they believed it was the responsibility of some local organization to to be their voice and keep them safe and um that one of similar vein trying to infringe on property rights but that one's also relatively far-reaching
4: well it is and it you know i i you know my politics well enough to to know that i uh, cringe just a little bit every time the government um, dives deeper into my life. I, I'm not fond of it. I don't I, I like to run my own life with, without the government being involved, frankly. And this is a situation where the government basically said, hey, property owner, we're going to um, invade your privacy. We're going to come in, and we're going to inspect your property under the guise of making sure that our poor um, exposed tenants are safe. And not only are we going to do that, uh, commit that infringement of your privacy, but we're going to also make you pay for it. So there's an annual fee associated with it. And, and now we get the government coming in and, and looking. And, you know, it's just that there's a whole lot of questions about how this thing's going to be implemented and played out. And, and it, again, I think it's, yeah. Well,. Um,
5: before the holiday was up, they, they heard it and they said they're going to move forward.
4: Yeah, I think what's happened actually is the the city council, I believe, has instructed staff to go create the policy. Basically, they the first step was, uh, if I understand correctly, the, the uh, staff basically reviewed the concept and came back with recommendations. And the recommendation was to implement the program. Yeah. And city council reviewed the staff's review and said, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Go create the formal policy. So I, I believe that's where we are with it now. But you know, I just, I just think it's, um, I just think it's, it's bad politics. I, I, don't think that there's a significant problem that's being solved. I mean, I'm in the real estate business, and I can't tell you one time in the last ten years that I've heard of a, uh, of a tenant being damaged because of um, right. something not you know, being up to speed on their, on the, on their the property they're renting. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm not saying there aren't landlords at, out there that don't do the right thing relative to maintenance on their property. But the tenants, you know, that's one of the things about not owning a property and renting is you've got flexibility, you know, execute your Right to have a decent place to live by not renting from a landlord who won't appropriately care for a property. You Certainly.
3: may not have had to rent in San Luis often enough to know how crazy that statement is that you just made. Um, every time I rented a house in San Luis, I knew that I was one of like fifty applicants, and to be naming any kind of demand over condition or you know something that one you one felt they would just. Move on to the next guy that yeah, wasn't yeah. having a demand. And, and if you weren't willing to accept something less than okay, okay, okay. Uh, you could just live elsewhere. I, I, I'm i not convinced that that is reasonable. But what I will say is having found myself a tenant in some substandard situations, there are plenty of avenue to remedy this. Um So if anything, I'd just venture to say that the government of San Luis should have just done a better job of making people aware of Um, the help resources that are available. If you're living in a place that doesn't have hot water, uh, here's the number you call. You can fix that today on your dime and deduct it from the rent. There's nothing anyone can do about it if the landlord refuses. There's so many of these remedies that are in place. And it's like, instead of encouraging people to go make use of the laws and helps that are already available, Uh, that we just, uh, you know, we'll just step in and we'll just take care of it and do it for you for a fee. But in the end, what they're going to end 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 up doing is the exact same thing, is telling the tenant, you have the right to not pay the rent because of this violation and then they'll send a strongly worded letter to the owner which might help expedite the um, how these repairs are made or whatever but that's it's really not necessary if people are uh, well informed of what they're supposed to be doing and, and how to do it all right we got a phone call to take we got anthony calling from beautiful san luis obispo welcome to mortgage matters
12: Hi, how are you guys doing today good how about yourself Ah, not too bad. Uh, just wanted to, to weigh in here on the on the conversation. Being a business owner and a renter, okay. um, I can uh, see both of your points of views as far as uh, government and overreaching and things like that. But at the same time, as a renter <clears throat> with very few options in the area, um, landlords can pretty much do what they want and still get it rented. Agreed. Um, I know that you. That you can exercise your right and move somewhere else, but in case you haven't looked recently, um, if you have a small pet or uh, a family size of three and can't spend you know three thousand dollars a month for something decent, your options aren't that uh, available as you may think. Right. Um, so, I've been in situations where I've had two landlords in a row that don't do what they're supposed to by their tenants and. My rent is on time every month, and yet maintenance is always neglected. So, I've been looking for quite some time, but my options are extraordinarily limited. Especially if you want to stay in the city and you want to move before the summer.
3: Yeah, agreed.
4: Uh, your point's taken, Anthony. Uh, tell me this: um, Do you believe that this new ordinance will be have a positive impact on the on your experience as a as a renter?
12: I don't know um, if it if it scares some of those uh, landlords who don't do what they're supposed to, and and they step up perhaps, um, but I doubt it will have a, a, a direct impact on me. Maybe the industry overall, the rental industry overall, but me personally, no. Okay.
4: Great. Well, thanks for the call. It's an interesting perspective. I think you make some good points.
3: Thanks. Um, there are some property management companies in town that have reputations of um, being fair and taking great care of the properties and forcing their owners to a higher standard of care. There are some property management firms in town that do not and that have reputations of being shisty and always siding with their landlord and helping the landlord advance their profits while not. Taking care of those minimum standards, so they're, you know, and but I get it though, and, and like I said, Anthony, I was a, I w- I was a married um, student at Cal Poly, and um, renting homes, and I remember. Looking for a place to live where they said, okay, um, the house will be shown Saturday at 11. It wasn't even that, you know, this could be Monday. So it wasn't even that I could be the early bird and get the worm, you know. And I remember showing up Saturday at 11 to crowds of people, literally crowds. And thank God it was usually – Dumb kids that, you know, looked hung over in their pajamas acting a fool. I showed up in a button up shirt with my wife. I had a folder prepared with a cover letter um, explaining. I'd usually include a copy of my credit report, bank statement to show that I had some money. Um, Try to get the ear of the person that was there to say, hey, let me hand you this personally. Um, You know, I've completed your application, but here's all of my stuff. By the way, most of them charge an application fee of 30 to 70 dollars. Yeah. depending for you to sit in there and even apply with these 50 other people. Um, so you have really had to position myself in a way that I had high likelihood of winning out. And thankfully, oftentimes these landlords would err on the side of selecting me because, you know, at least in theory, because we were young and married, we were going to be less of a problem or potential headache than, uh, you know, four guys sharing a house or something. But I'm telling you that it's cutthroat and it has been for a long time. And that has not changed today. It's terribly competitive, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't see it having any any positive impact on that whatsoever. It's just going to make your rent more expensive. Sure, in, in my opinion, but I believe it's you know, all the more reason to build. Yeah, time to build some homes, huh? Get out there and build. Increase some density uh, allowance so we can build second units on more of the houses in slow. Hey, we're running out of time here on the show, so uh, Wes, what are you doing here today, buddy? Spending my day with you, pal. I sure appreciate you filling in for Dan. Dan had, a um, unfortunately, a funeral to attend to and couldn't be here today. As you all well know, I can't do this show alone. Um, you guys like to tease me that I could talk for two hours straight, but uh, I'm glad that I don't have to. Um, Wes, I am eternally grateful for all that you do not only here and supporting the show but also professionally um you know and just being a great resource for so many people and i'm and i'm sure that there are people out there today that are wanting to get a hold of you to have you sell their house or help buy one or just to find out how to get a hold of uh shay and wendy so throw out some contact information here
4: my direct line is 801 uh, 7061. You can email me at Wes at Wes Burke, W E S B U R K dot com. Check us out at Patterson dot com.
3: You gushed over your new additions, um, Shay and Wendy, and how proud you are to have them representing you. Um, likewise, I'd like to say that uh, I'm pumped to have you aboard, Mike. It's um, as as most of you could imagine, it's been uh a lot to learn. It's a lot to get your arms around to, to really be good at this. And, and Mike and I have spent a lot of time together lately. I'm really excited about what you bring to the table. And uh, I'm even more excited that you're willing to show up here today uh, in hopes that soon I can start getting some Saturdays off. Um, yes, sir. But uh, thank you um, greatly for coming in today. It's, it's great to have you on. My if
8: pleasure. you
3: guys are interested in getting a hold of us for any reason if you want to look into um, taking advantage of the new lower mortgage insurance rates or if you want to take advantage of these new low interest rates if you have any need at all or just want to talk about it give us a call we're at 543-LOAN which is five four three five six two six. likewise we're on the web at centralcoastlending.com so check us out there thanks much for being with us we'll be back n- next week with another live episode you guys have a great week